Welcome to Farrington's Features, the school podcast where we talk to pupils, staff and to parents to find out more about Farrington School. In this episode, we're learning about learning, how the children reach their potential at school. Rishi Boyjanath, head of the junior school, and Joe Krein, deputy head of junior school, are with us for this episode. And we're going to find out how children are stretched at Farrington's. We learn about philosophy for children, how the pupils develop a deeper understanding of maths. We talk about gifted and talented children and what the scholarship opportunities are. This is a great episode. I learned a huge amount about life in the junior school, and I think you will too. So for all of that, and for much more, come with me now as we step into a conversation with Joe Cryan and Rishi Boyjanath. So we've got Joe and Rishi with us today, but first of all, Rishi, hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. It's very good of you to give up your time. We're, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, and it's just gone four o'clock. So is, is this a good time of day for you? Is this slightly quieter than the rest of your what the rest of the working day well normally we would have our leadership team meeting now so uh we've uh, escaped from that for a little bit so we can have a little time to chat about uh, pupils and what we do here so um a nice little diversion in some ways <laughs> okay all right fantastic well, it, well it's good to be here and it's good to be talking to you today tell me a little bit before we speak to joe as well tell me about how you challenge pupils in school to reach their full potential absolutely so Farrington's is very much about stretching our pupils and allowing them to reach their full potential, getting to understand children's individual strengths and weaknesses. And that's something that's really important to our school. And because of our small classes, form tutors can really have a true understanding of uh, their children's abilities. And we achieve this in, in lots of different ways through really high quality differentiation in class um, and asking really challenging questions to children in order to develop their higher order thinking skills. Uh, we also have some things called challenge questions as well, don't we, Joe? We have challenge questions at the end of a maths lesson or at the end of an English lesson to extend the children. And as Rishi said, because we've got small classes, we know all of our children and what their potential is. So we can ensure that the questions stretch every single pupil as far as they can go. In our early morning work, we have sometimes a five different way differentiation because each of the children are working at their own pace and their own level. But we need to make sure that all of that challenges each individual pupil. And Joe, one of the things Rishi just mentioned was differentiation in class. What's that actually all about? Differentiation is making sure that all the pupils are working at the level that meets their needs, that those that need supporting are supporting, that those that need stretching are stretched. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the same pupil needs supporting in English as does in maths. So you need to know whatever the subject is, how to best support and stretch all of the individual children. I see. All right. Thank you for that. Rishi, I've got, I've got a question for you, actually. And let me just chuck this one in for a second. I mean, some people think that maybe a good approach in school is that instead of trying to identify areas of weakness in some people and trying to build up those areas, it's, it's actually more important to find areas of their strength and to really boost those areas. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, you know, each child has their individual gift and their individual talent. And it very much is about finding what makes that child tick and allowing them to push their boundaries around that. And as Joe explained equally with the differentiation, sometimes it's about actually 
differentiating the task. It's not just about differentiating the question, but actually it's about differentiating the task. Again, getting them to employ um, different higher order thinking skills um, to allow them to develop those further. Mm. So it's all about really, to me, it sounds like it's all about placing the pupil right at the centre of everything. Absolutely. Farrington's has always been commented on about us um, having a real sort of family feel and us knowing our children uh, really well. And I'm really confident in our staff and our form tutors uh, to know to know the pupils really, really well. Okay, right. So talk me through how, how this actually works, how this actually looks, because we, we all know that at Farrington's, the, the, the pupils have got, well, the pupils get good academic grades. We know all of that. But what's the school doing to actually improve these further? Well, I arrived in um, September 2021 and the big drive for me is going back to look at the curriculum. What are we really delivering? And I'm a big believer in Bloom's taxonomy and the use of higher order thinking skills in order to develop the children's thought processes. So utilising their skills of analysis, synthesis, evaluation. So as a leadership team, we looked at our curriculum and we saw that our maths curriculum could be developed even further. And so a key change that was brought in was the development of the maths mastery curriculum. And that really has pushed our pupils in in terms of their deeper understanding of mathematics. And then this year, we've also focused on um, a subject called philosophy for children, P for C, and again, developing the pupils' ability to evaluate and engage in deeper discussions. And all of that is impacting upon pupil achievement uh, and, and pupils' results. Awesome. Right. Understood. Well, I'm dying to speak to Joe in a moment about philosophy for children, but you mentioned Bloom's taxonomy. What, what's that all about? So Bloom's was um, an educational theorist and had done under taken a lot of work uh, around pedagogy and it's just about how we learn as humans and actually simply asking a a basic retrieval question somebody might read a text and you might say to them so how many bears are mentioned in this particular story that's actually just a very basic skill of retrieval but actually what we want our children to be able to understand is maybe skills of empathy or so why did the bears do that and how did they feel? And what happens if you throw a fourth character into into the cauldron and, and, and into the mix? So it's about developing those higher order thinking skills in order to improve their academic achievement. Okay, right. Got it. Thank you for that, Rishi. Joe, one of the things that Rishi mentioned there was philosophy for children. Tell us a bit more about what that is and how that's made an impact. We noticed when the children all came back from COVID that conversation was a real problem for the children. They'd lost that art of taking turns and talking to each other because they'd had all their lessons on Zoom. It it was very different when they came back into the classroom and they had to share that space with others. So philosophy for children is very much about re-engaging those conversations, getting the children to build on each other's ideas. We asked lots of questions would you rather? Would you rather do this or would you rather do something else? And it's really developed their thinking skills. You now don't ask a question and expect a yes or no answer. It's now all about why do you think that? We had a really interesting discussion about is it ever okay to steal? 
And whereas before they would have just said yes or no, they can reason why they think it is okay or it isn't okay. And introducing those listening skills, the thinking skills, the building on each other's ideas skills has all made a huge difference across the whole area of the curriculum. So a question like that, you know, is it okay to steal? I mean, what what, what sort of answers would they have given in the past? I mean, you mentioned about yes or no, but, but you know, what, what, what sort of things might you expect to hear from them now? The questions generally go round in circles and then they build on what somebody else says. So somebody came up with the idea of it was okay to steal if it was for somebody else, if somebody else had a real need and they needed something. They do look at all sorts of areas, one of the children that introduced this idea was on the basis of the fact she'd seen the Aladdin film. And in Aladdin, Aladdin stole a piece of bread for a child who was hungry. So then that developed the whole questioning as to, well, was that okay? Should he have done that? And so it then brings you to a whole different conversation about sharing with others and what you do for others. It's been absolutely fascinating listening to the children's reasoning behind their answers. And this is something that the philosophy for children, this is something that came about because of COVID. Is that right? It was an area of need that we felt needed to be addressed. And so the philosophy for children meets that need. There's also an element of developing the children's skills of oracy. This is something that's very important to us here being able to articulate their ideas in a coherent fashion, being able to debate in a measured fashion. And there was an all, also an element of that and improving their, as I said, their skills of oracy um, and language and communication development. Uh, certainly within, again, post-COVID, particularly with our younger children, uh, there's a key area of need around communication and language. And this is something else that uh, P4C helps to build upon. It sounds amazing. It really does. And th th these communication skills are, are fantastic for, well, I was going to say for children to learn, but actually for, for all people to learn. But it's great that you're you're teaching them to children there at Farrington's. How about things like maths, you know, other things like that, you know, subjects such as that? How do you, you know, how do you make sure that pupils develop a deeper understanding of things like that? So the maths mastery program was introduced in order for children to have a deeper understanding of maths, the, the, the idea is that you go deeper rather than broader. So within the mastery concept, you have firstly have the idea of fluency. So just getting the children really secure in sort of the, the mathematical and maybe the arithmetical understanding of a particular area, which, you know, maybe subtraction and the four operations, but then moving on to reasoning and then moving on to problem solving. So firstly, expecting pupils to be able to reason why an answer is correct, because again, that will show deeper understanding because they're able to explain, well, this is correct because, and then putting it in the concept, uh, into the context, sorry, of a problem. So giving them a contextual problem um, because that makes it real, putting it into a real life context. All of that's really important. And we also have this concept of explain it and prove it. And the children really enjoy those questions, don't they, Joe? They do. They quite often find it difficult if there is not one specific answer as well. If there are two answers to a problem, they each have to explain why is their answer correct. And so the, the explain it, prove it is really important. And if they can't prove why their answer is correct, then 
maybe their answer isn't correct. They have to be able to prove it. And explaining it to each other, one of the best ways to evidence that a child has understood something is to get them to explain it to other children. That's the best way to be sure they really understand it if they can explain it to somebody else. It reminds me of the old thing about the, the best way to learn is to teach that somebody said to me a long time ago. It really does remind me of that. Right. So it's great to understand how they come to answers like that. But tell me a little bit more about how you measure the, the progress through, through school, the, the, the attainment of the children. Each of the pupils has an individual tracking sheet that has the curriculum set out in small steps. And every pupil, the teacher will look at the tracking sheets and tick those off once they've seen the children independently achieving those skills. And at any one point, a teacher will be able to tell you which areas still need to be worked on, which areas the children have achieved, and all of those areas work together to ensure that the ch child is meeting or exceeding those by the end of the year. And then do you share the individual tracking sheet with, with parents as well, or is that something that's purely internal? We can share the tracking sheets with the parents and it's information that we share at parents' evening with the parents. So the children will be set targets and the targets come directly from the tracking sheets. So if there's an area that the pupil needs to work on, that will be their target that is set. And those targets are in the children's contact books for the parents to see. Right, got it. Okay, thank you for that, Joe. And tell me a bit about gifted and talented children. I mean, how are they, how are they identified in school life? So there's an element of looking initially back at those tracking sheets and looking at which pupils are really ex excelling. There's also um, a fine balance between what's called formative assessment, what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis within the classroom, and also those summative assessments that take place during the course of the year. Then there'll be feedback from staff, both here within the junior school, and then obviously some of our pupils are taught by senior school staff as well. And when we have our pupil progress meetings, uh, we will see that, you know, which children are particularly excelling in a particular area, and then we will make sure that the curriculum is being adequately adapted for their needs and making sure that they are being stretched so as to give them the full opportunity to reach their full potential. And tell me a bit more about how they then go on to develop after they after they leave the junior school. I'm, th I'm thinking about gifted and talented children, you know, wh wh while they're with you, it's great to understand, you know, how they are, you know, stretched and encouraged to grow. How do you see that they've actually turned out in the end? The children have lots of opportunities to have public speaking experiences at school. They have English speaking board exams that they do twice. They do them in year three and in year five. They also do plays and performances. They do a nativity performance in the early years and then in key stage one. They have productions throughout the rest of the school. They do English speaking board exams in year three and year five. And all of these are building confident children who are happy to stand up in front of an audience and speak to the audience confidently. And I think it doesn't matter what area the children go into, they are going to have to stand in front of an audience and give a speech at some point. So it's really encouraging to see how our children grow in confidence. They can stand up in front of an audience and speak. They can take our visitors round and confidently speak about what the school has to offer. They are a, our biggest selling point for the school because the children are what the school is about. I mean, one 
brilliant example of us uh, exceeding and um, achieving good results is uh, a set of results have literally arrived today, hot off the press, that um, all of our year five pupils uh, that sat the English speaking board exams, all of them achieved a distinction grade. Um, and we're absolutely over the moon with those set of results. Um, and um, it, it's a testament to the pupils and their utmost preparation for that exam and also a testament to our brilliant uh, staff who work so hard with them. One thing that always strikes me is uh, a, a conference that I went to last year where the CEO of, of Netflix was present and he talked about the biggest learning point through his life, through his career, was the fact that when he went to university, he was then taught the art of public speaking and he wished that he had been taught that earlier on in his life. And I think that's something that's really important that takes place here at Farrington's. As Mrs. Kreiner said, in terms of the English speaking board exams in year three and five, putting on a production in year four and year six, giving those opportunity for pupils to talk on the public stage, on a public platform to lots of different people is really brilliant. And it's lovely to see those children then excel up in, into the senior school. And obviously we see them in senior school productions as well um, and public uh, debating competitions, etc. Um, all of that really shows that we are preparing articulate, confident children for their future world of work. Love that. Thank you for that, both of you. And just tell us a little bit about the scholarship opportunities that there are at Farrington's. I mean, how does that actually work? What does that look like? So there are two main rounds of scholarships that take place within uh, the junior school. Firstly, uh, from year two going into year three, so the year three scholarships. And these are generally for academic all-round scholarships, pupils who excel uh, across the board and uh, an opportunity there is given for them to apply for a scholarship um, and there is a, a testing procedure for that and uh, there's been a great uptake for that uh, over the years and it's really wonderful to then to track those scholars up through the junior school and then in addition we have scholars um, uh, for year seven so again at the end of year six uh, those pupils applying to the senior school will be able to apply for a scholarship and those tend to be around more specialist subjects so for example maybe in music or English or physical education the arts as well as an overall academic scholarship and again those pupils are tracked throughout the school uh, and are supported to make sure that they're achieving their full potential. And and what's actually expected of, of a Farrington scholar? I mean, you, you talk about achieving their full potential. Does that put any pressure on the pupils at all? Or is it more a case of, you know, identifying that area and really nurturing that? I think it's about firstly being an excellent role model uh, and pupils who display what's called our, our Farrington's pledge. We're very much led by our core values here as a, as a, as a Methodist school. And actually, you know, a, a scholar is somebody who demonstrates uh, those values and the Farrington's Pledge on a, on a regular basis. So something that's really important. Absolutely, those that academic side is, is going to be a key factor and sort of maintaining high standardised scores throughout that time. And, you know, that provides a bit of healthy competition amongst pupils and amongst scholars, but it's making sure it's done in a way that's supported by the form tutors having conversations with parents to making sure that the pupils are on track um, and making sure they can achieve their very best. 
this isn't really related to any specific question. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're small classes, it makes such a difference. The fact that we know our pupils so well makes such a difference. I used to work in a state school and I had 30 children in my class. Mm -hmm. And it is an unbelievable privilege to work with small classes, to have that personal relationship with all of the children and their families. That's how we know how to stretch our children. That's how we know how to support our children. And it's not just about what goes on in the classroom. It's about what goes on in their lives outside of the classroom as well. Children may need support because of what's going on outside the classroom. They may need to be celebrated because of something that's going on outside the classroom. So how we stretch and challenge our children is by knowing our children really well and everything else is easy from that point onwards. I love that. That whole concept of knowing the children well is, is, is a great thing. I mean, knowing the children well creates happy children, creates children who can learn in school. It sounds to me like they're all being very well looked after at Farrington's. Joe and Rishi, thank you both very much for your time. It's great talking to you both. I need to release you to get back to your, well, to the meeting that you're missing right now. But Joe, first of all, thank you very much for being here with us. You're welcome. And Rishi, thank you for your time. Thank you for being here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Simon. So that was Rishi Boyjanath and Joe Crine talking all about the children and how they learn and grow in the junior school. Great to hear from them both and a big thank you to them for joining this episode of the podcast. For more information on life at Farrington School, do check out the website farringtons.org.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.